The following podcast is sponsored by SuperheroStuff.com. Sci-Fi For Me Radio presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is H2O. And the fact you could not make it now. Right. Um, it is... It is one of the best mockeries of racism and general horrible human behavior that has ever been produced in the history of comedy. And we are not talking about Man of Steel with that comment. Well, that is true. We're talking <laughs> about Blazing Saddles, one of the finest comedies ever made. No, I just uh, I just admitted to Mr. Harvey. My name is Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey sitting across from me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome. This hello, is, hello. Uh, this is the H2O podcast on Sci-Fi From Your Radio. I have just admitted to Mr. Harvey that I have not seen the entirety of Blazing Saddles. And I've I seen just, pieces of it. And I just don't know if we can work together anymore. <laughs> well, you know, add it to the list, right? <laughs> I'm, I am, I am... I can understand why you tried to keep this from me, because you should be ashamed. Um, oh, there's plenty of things that I have not seen that I probably should have seen. Well, it's like it like goes goes back to uh, our discussion about the Hugo Awards, right? And we were talking about you know we should probably go back, oh yeah, and read a bunch of uh, Hugo winning novels mm-hmm. and know, for comparison to yeah, see course. how it's evolved over time sure. or not. I'm currently reading Starship Troopers again mm-hmm. uh, because I had it in my library. And I went to the public library. I went – I wrote down some of the titles of the different Hugo winners. Right. And I went to the local branch of my public library, um, support your local library. Yes. And the science fiction section at the local branch of the public library is abysmally anemic. Thinnish? Yes. And I started looking for – Various titles out of all of the Hugo Award winners. And I think I went probably up to about the year 2000 Mm -hmm. before I stopped looking. Mm. And I found one. I did find another one that I already have Uh that that I've read. But yeah, one... Two Hugo winning novels. Now, they had a couple of other books by the same author, mm-hmm. but not the Hugo book. Well, you know, I, I live down the street from the from the big downtown library. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, there's two libraries within relatively close distance. There's one down downtown downtown, but also one down the plaza. Right. So I may have to check that out because... Yeah, I need to go and look at those too. But see, because this is an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Hugos are going to be here this year, yes, as part of Worldcon, um, Mid Americon Two, the local name for it, uh, there is an opportunity here to boost some awareness at the library. Oh, sure. For the Hugo, uh, the Hugo Award-winning books, um, Stranger in a Strange Land was one. Mm-hmm. And I'm going through all of these lists. And I was like, oh well, I have that one, right? So I can read that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was very disappointing that there weren't any Hugo winners to speak of, especially the, the more notable ones, you know, uh, well, okay. there's a couple of them that were just really obscure. Now they did have ancillary sword. Oh, well. You gotta make sure you gotta have ancillary sword <laughs> because that's, that's the, 
that's the poster child of all of the uh, the the anti puppy regime right now, right? Well, you know, I think that as as somebody who was who saw this when I was in the book world um, a lot in in what there's two different philosophies that happen when it comes to books when you are a book dealer, and unfortunately, it's, some of it flows into the library world as well, which mm-hmm. is should be a, should be a completely separate thing because one is for selling and one is for lending, right? But it's not because sometimes it it comes down to real estate. Um, when I worked for Borders, the late lamented Borders, um, back when it was a good company, they had this philosophy of the deep catalog, right? So right. you would not have 40,000 copies of Stephen King's latest book. You would have 100, and you would have two to three copies of everything else he'd ever written, right? Sure. Um, but Because, you, because if, I, if I just read It... Mm-hmm. And it was the first book of Stephen King's that I read, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I'd want to go find some more books by Stephen King, right? Sure. But but you didn't just carry Stephen King; you carried Peter Straub, and you carried Dan Simmons, and you carried uh, you know uh, Jack Ketchum, and you carried you carried all the hor- you carried as many different horror authors as you could. Mm-hmm. You didn't just came to carry the big names, and you applied that to every genre you had. So what that meant was that occasionally you would sell out of the best-selling novel because there's only you, know, you didn't you only had a hundred copies and you really should have had two hundred. Sure. Okay. This is called one of those things where your boss looks at you and goes, "Why did you only order one hundred? What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, we have room in the back." You know, I'm not saying this ever happened, but um, yeah, can't imagine. No, no. Yes, it's happened. Of course, it happens. Um, but for the longest time, that was one of the dis- distinctions between. Borders and say Barnes and Noble, okay, yeah. because you essentially are selling the same product. So you, how you sell that product, what you specialize in, and of course Borders came out of the used book world, where deep catalog is is the mindset. You want to have the obscure title, oh yeah, right, as yeah. opposed to just the big title. So, um, and Borders got away from that, and blah blah blah. And that's why they're not a company anymore. Among other reasons, that's why I was, that actually was one of the things that they did wrong is that yeah. they they forgot the fact that they came out of the used book world, and that deep catalog is a thing and it's an important thing. Libraries have the advantage often of being able to be deep catalog, but um, they also are dependent de- dependent on what people check out. Just like a bookstore is dependent on to know to you, you know you need to order another hundred copies of that book because people came in and ordered a hundred and you know bought a hundred and two copies of that book and it's like I need to get more of these. Libraries unfortunately have the same problem because a lot of libraries, of course, were built um, uh, when when they were built and where they were built determines the size of the place and books are there's always a new book coming out. Yeah. So you have to decide what's going to be on the shelves, and of course, libraries aren't just places for books anymore. Um, often, they're they're uh, local community centers. They're computer. They have computer labs, and they've got video mm-hmm. stuff, and you know they, right. they have conference to have, rooms they can right. rent. Well, you got to you have to have to you have to have a place to put the DVDs, and you have to have a place to put the CDs and things that weren't necessarily there back right. when the when the plan for where the books was. When so, I was a kid, there were cassette tapes. There you go. Yeah. So it becomes this it becomes this unfortunate thing where. You, it'll where you don't want to have to think about that. You have to think about that yeah. if you're running the library, if you're working in that library. So, which is why every now and again, the library will have book sales. 
because right. they've got to have a culling mm-hmm. of, well, these books haven't been checked out in 20 years. Let's right. get rid of them and make room for other things. And why an unfortunate, and I'm going to say this and people are going to, I can, I'll be able to hear the shudder through the, through the, uh, uh, the, the power of the force. Um, that's why actually there are large dumpster, dumpsters behind libraries. And there oh. is a disturbing amount of uh, uh, books that end up in them. Um, I used to run um, used bookstores for a library. Uh, and yeah. it hurt. It hurt to throw away the book you, that I, I you, know you know what they ought to do? They ought to, there ought to be, every, every city should have a warehouse for you know the the li- the library system. Mm-hmm. So instead of the main branch or the local branch or wherever, then they have the deep archive warehouse. So anything that's not on the shelf at the local bookstore, uh, the local library goes there. And if you oh well, no, it's not here on the shelf, but it's at it's at it's at the warehouse. Well, so the, you could go down s- there. Some places actually do that. Do they? Uh, um but it's uh, again, it comes down to it comes down. Well, it comes down to cost. It comes down because, unfortunately, like everything else, uh, everything has an operating budget. That's when you get those little crystal three hundred and sixty terabyte memory chips that they just started to develop. Uh huh. Scan it all, <laughs> throw them on those things, and then and then suddenly we've got the library on Sarpedon. Well, you know, but, with Mister Atos and the, yeah, and yeah, the time yeah. travel. <laughs> However. However, uh, I am pleased and to... And those were round disks, too. Well, I'm pleased to point out that uh, uh, the vast majority of people prefer to still continue to prefer to read books. I do, yes. And the young, the young people, those children who are supposed to be, like, attached to their f- cell phones and tablets... I can think of one in particular. ...still actually like to read books. They actually like to hold the book in their hand. Some and, do. Well, yes, I know. <laughs> but but still, I mean, it's, it's you know, they were all this like, you know, yeah. yeah. He knows I'm talking about him. Of course. He's listening to this podcast. Of course. And he knows I'm talking about him. That's right. As well, he should. Yes. Read your book. Um, but. Lots of books. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, I would love to say that uh, libraries didn't have to deal with that stuff, but they do. Yeah. And so, um, and certainly depending on the branch uh, and what is getting checked out, that's that's going to make all the all the decision on what they got on the shelves. Yeah. Um, but I w- but it's it's funny that you say that though. We were talking about real estate because when I went back there, mm-hmm. the shelves where the science fiction and the because the westerns were in one corner mm-hmm. along this wall, and the science fiction was on another corner mm-hmm. on this same wall, and in between them was about half of the shelving empty mm-hmm. as a space, you know, like a, a, a divider between the sure. two. And I'm thinking, you've got all this room. <laughs> you've got all this room where you you should be having, you know, you should put them all here. Well, but the thing is that they may have actually had books on those shelves. And they weren't being checked out there, but they're being checked out at a different branch. So they've moved them. They moved them. Because, yeah. again, it comes down to you buy X number of books um, and and that's why you can actually go to a library book sale and find like a hundred copies of a book because they were like, or this you is the find you could find Planet of the Apes in in French. I know, yeah, you showed me that. T- uh, we were we were discussing we were discussing Planet of the Apes before before recording, 
and Jason went and got a copy of this, and it's a uh, 1963 edition of Planet of the Apes in French. I was it, it was it was funny we were we were it was this is back when we were making the statement of Randolph Carter, mm-hmm. and in my capacity of finding old books for a scene in uh, the professor's library, the professor's office. Um, I went in, into the into the library book sale mm-hmm. and just picked up a bunch of old stuff. I mean, it's just I I don't even know what some of it was. It was you know it's right. it's probably all still in a box somewhere. It's just it was set, it was set box. dressing more yeah. than anything else, right? Yeah, because nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to look at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm looking through this one, and the title's in French, but I had to I had to look at it twice and realize what I had and I and. I don't know. I don't know how I recognize it. I don't speak French, but the structure of the title mm-hmm. kind of lends itself to. Wait a minute, this is Planet of the Apes. Well, and, and, if, and the other thing is, is that I mean, even if I had not recognized it, I would have realized what it was just looking at the because the, the other on, on one of the facing pages is the list of the other works by the author, mm-hmm. of which the Bridge of the River Kwai is there. Yes, and for those of you who don't know. Um, uh, Planet of the Apes was not written necessarily as a. It was not. It really was not written as a science fiction novel. I mean, it was no. science fiction was the medium, um, but it was a. Uh, you know, it, it's it's social commentary. It's political commentary. Yeah. Uh, like, just as as many of the best science fiction novels have been, um, they were about something. They weren't about you know. Spaceships and ray guns. It was about you know, and there's nothing wrong with spaceships and ray guns. Those are we. Star Wars is a whole movie about spaceships and ray guns. I mean, come on, right? Um, but the some of the some of the most classic and and enduring science fiction novels have been about bigger things, and science fiction is the medium to tell the story. Yes, um, Dune is about politics and oil, and uh, you know, Stranger in a Strange Land is about. Uh, culture and the nature of humanity, and well, uh, Lord, we, of the, Lord of the Rings and uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, both Christian allegories. Yep, you know, and then you've got, um, and you've got. Well, you, you were just saying you're rereading Starship Troopers. Yes, nobody can decide what that book's really about because <laughs> it's every, it depends on where you sit well, on like, the aisle. Well, it depends on where you sit in the aisle, and it depends on what decade you're in. Because yeah, I, I think that 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 you know it's. It's a fascinating thing that some of this stuff, some of the most important stories, not all of them, of course, and some of, you know, there's sweet, sweeping space opera is, is just as valid literature as, as, you know, deep, you know, philosophical discussions. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it's the writer, it's, it's the writer telling the story and the writing style can, you know, they'll make it, I mean, Dune is dense. It is a dense oh, story. Yeah. yeah, multiple layers. But it's also a rip-roaring adventure yard. Mm-hmm. Of you know a young man coming of age, he's taking the hero's journey. He's avenging his father. It's all these things, right. um, but it's also you know the discussions of the power of water rights. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so it just depends on the writer. Um, you know, and you've got uh, uh, Asimov's style is very very dry. He's a scientist. It's you know he's he's got he's got a but yeah uh, you know. No one's going to argue that his books aren't influential. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke, uh, you know, Rendezvous with Rama. What happens in that novel? 
<laughs> not much. I, and the grand, you know, in terms of an adventure story, it's well, two thousand one, the same way. Yeah. I mean, not much happens, but what does happen has so many different meanings. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and the and the quality things. of the writing there. Yeah. I mean, you're engaged with it. So, um, so not to say that there isn't, you know. You know, you can have, by all means, give me lots of books that have deep layers, and I'm sitting there and I'm having to mull over what I'm reading as I'm reading it. That's great, but I also love it when a good story just, you know, is, is a good story. Yeah, one of the one of the local five hundred first cosplayers mm-hmm. posted on his Facebook a link to an article that somebody I don't know what it was in, uh, it was in Michigan or Minnesota was doing some research for something and ran across a list of novels middle schoolers read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a comparative study between what they're reading in middle school now oh. versus what they were reading in, say, I think, like, 1930 or 19, 1903 or something. It was something sure. early, early 20th century, mm. right? Where the, where the kids didn't know as much because we didn't have computers back then, so we weren't all as smart, mm-hmm. right? And the lists are notably more dense back then. Treasure Island, mm-hmm. The Gold Bug, sure. uh, Captain's Courageous. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, the person writing the article made, made the observation that in those days, the mix of the books were both uh, challenging as far as you know the language and the use of the use of language in the books mm-hmm. but also the the cultures that were touched on uh, the histories and the the different parts of the world and social and you know political I mean it covers a, 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 la- a large range of topics and ideas and, sure. and that kind of thing right Whereas your modern list is much less dense, and it's all, not say all, a, a lot of it is of a piece where it's less challenging, I guess you could say, from, from the intellectual standpoint, and it's not quite as diverse in terms of cultural... Uh, immersion. I think. I, I think you, you could. Say. I think you definitely make an argument that that is the case. There's also the unfortunate argument that um, the number of kids who are actually able to go to school in the early 20th century was much smaller. Um, first of all, that wasn't required. Right. Um, and a lot of if you were if you were a farm family. As says the guy whose family was farm families. Yeah, um, mine was too. You didn't go to school, right? You worked the farm. Um, so it's. I think that probably what we happened is what we often see happen for good and for ill, is that you expand the number of people you have to deal with, um, and spread it off. You know, at a much larger pool of people. Yeah. Um, well. I, I think you're going to say lowest common denominator-ish. No, not so much lowest common denominator, but just the well, fact that you end the up... accessibility. You, want, you, you, have to, you have to change the accessibility of the material because of who's 
now got access. Well, yeah, but I think that you, you for a large chunk of, and of course it's, there were certainly exceptions, but for a good chunk of schooling, the way the schooling was structured, mm. you tended to be well off. Right. Rel- you know, relatively, not like, you know, because certainly, you know, people, sure. uh, farm kids on farms went to schools too. They had schoolhouses. But I mean, it was, it was a, you know, different kinds of education at different levels. I think once, once you try to do something with a, uh, you try to make something uniform over a large thing, you find yourself, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. you do have to level it out a little bit. Yeah. And if you buy into the conspiracy theory Uh-oh. about, you know, all going all the way back to Woodrow Wilson's day. As president, mm. when he had people around him advising him that, you know how you do it, is you dumb down the population by taking over the schools and teaching them how to be dependent on government, and the government becomes the big the big nanny of everybody, and that's how you get the the big you know the League of Nations. Why you know the, why the League of Nations didn't work, and then you get this United Nations that comes after it, and it doesn't quite work. I mean, it really is kind of a waste too, but. Um, you know this this idea. I mean, some of some of Wilson's education advisors have been documented. You know, they're on record as saying this stuff that you know you you get the kids early and you indoctrinate them into this idea that the government, you know, the state as it is, not not any particular administration, right. but the state. Yeah, but that, that. But if you want to go, if you want to play cons- in in tinfoil hatland, you can go earlier than that because that's 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 how people. No, but, yeah, I, I mean know. that's 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 kings, that's kings and and the populace. You know, that's that's you know, creating the creating the idea that the the leader is the representative of God. Um, you know, so oh, it's yeah, all divine right of divine right of kings. So it's it's uh, yeah, but um, at the risk at the risk of of you know poking the wrong bear. Um, <laughs> you know, I just poked. Go I, ahead. I know. Well, okay. It's, it, have you ever noticed that we all, we hear about how, you know, the, the UN's coming for this, the UN's coming for that, but the UN is one of the most toothless organizations there actually is for a world body. Oh yeah. They're completely useless. I mean, they could be, I, you know, if, 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 if the black helicopter blue helmet thing ever happens, mm-hmm. Ninety-nine point nine percent of humanity is going to be so stunned that they actually well, showed up with you know. Yeah. It's like it's like wait what? Well, as and and, as and, has and, been... and, and, and I'll be perfectly honest. I like the fact that the UN exists. I, I I like the fact that people get together, the countries get together, and they have discussions, and hopefully can work things out rather than shooting each other. However. The UN should probably. I think the UN should. You know, wow, we got into politics. We never tried to do never do this. <laughs> uh, frankly, the UN should have a standing army, and that way these we you know we shouldn't we shouldn't be attacking people in the Middle East, and we shouldn't have Russia attacking people in the Middle East. And the UN gets up there and go right. What's all this then? You know? <laughs> well, you know, see, the thing about it is, though, as has been pointed out in a couple of places, if the U.N. had a standing army, most of it would be supplied by the United States because we're the ones that are always going over and policing everything. Well, and that would be fine, but at least it wouldn't be, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's, 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 you know, I, it's, it's kind of like uh, as we, as, you know, uh, President Obama's term uh, winds down, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the, it's just going to get transferred to whoever the next one is, but the the crazy people who are so intent on, you know, what a diabolical plotter he is. I'm like, well, he's been really ineffective with this diabolical plotting thing. 
you know, <laughs> or uh, Depen- it's, it's depending so on funny. Your, depending on your point of view. Well, some people think that he's doing exactly what he planned in the first place. Well, um, as every president for does. For good or ill. As, as every yeah. president does. So it's well, just, yeah, the, but, the entertainment value of those who get upset and, and it's even more fun because there's, there's a Republican debate going on as we're recording this mm-hmm. uh, in, in Texas. And uh, I am actually looking forward to reading about it because if nothing else, the Republican debates this year have been really, really entertaining because I, it's it's all the all the rules are out the window. Yeah, you got you got uh, a TV reality star <laughs> racing to the nomination, and everyone's just going, "What happened? What did we? Are you filming this? <laughs> this is a show, right? Well, no. <laughs> I, it, I have. I will admit that I have over the over the last over the last eight years, especially, I have lost so much interest in politics because it is no longer. It's no longer a place where you can have any real, meaningful, intellectually honest discussions. It's everybody stakes out a, a position and that's it. And it, there is no there is no back and forth. You go you go back to, to the Old Testament, you know, with Isaiah saying, let us reason together. Let, mm-hmm. let us let sure. us discuss these ideas mm-hmm. and, and, and get you know get something out there where we can all just say Okay, well, this and this and this and this and and come up with something, and you know, I'll be the first to admit, I you know, being on the right, mm-hmm. being being a member of the vast right wing conspiracy, um, I don't I don't want uh, Democrats to win, <laughs> just in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right, there, sure. there may be uh, a few yeah. of them that that might be okay, you know, in in you know, small doses with right, your, of course, you know, holding yes. your nose. And I'm sure, I mean, you're the same way on the other side because, you know, there are probably some Republicans you probably can tolerate, but, you know, not, not in, a, in a broad sense. But, <laughs> but this idea now that and – this, and this actually kind of leans back into the whole Hugo discussion mm-hmm. because the, the right versus left right, yeah. has gotten into that discussion as well. Mm-hmm. And you know the 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 social justice warriors camp on one side, and then you've got the puppies on the other side, and and everybody's getting caught in the middle. And it's like this should be about stories. Sure. And you know the contention is that the Hugos are about certain particular stories, which is one of the reasons why. To circle all the way back to the beginning of this, yeah, yeah. is one of the reasons why we have decided that we need to read. Yeah. All of these Hugo mm-hmm. books to see if, when, whatever, if there's a moment, if there's some place where we can look at it and go, okay, here's where it started to shift. Or if it even really shifted if, at if all. If it does. Yeah, if it shifted at all. And, and. Because so much of this stuff, and, you know, it, and, and it, whether it's politics, real perceived, um, mm-hmm. you know, and by the way, I think social justice warrior is actually a really cool title. And quite frankly, we need more social justice warriors. What that means to different people is another yeah, story. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's like, you know, how is that an insult? 
we should be a social justice warrior, but it is for some people yeah. view it as, it's like, it's like, I'm a progressive. I don't call myself a liberal so much. I mean, I, but I, I'm very liberal, but, mm. but that's a, I'm very liberal. I am a progressive. Right. Right. Um, and, and there are a decent number of reasonable Republicans. <laughs> Unfortunately, very few of them are in power right now. Yeah. Um, we are in Missouri. I'm from Kansas. I get to have a, and I can see Kansas from here, essentially. <laughs> and I get to watch my home state burn because of the dimwit in office. <clears throat> yes, blatantly political. I went there. You, you can figure it out. You can figure out who it is, folks. I'm not gonna, the independence expressed. That, that's, are accurate and valid at all times. <laughs> uh, but no, it's... it's um, we can't both be right. Uh, yes, we uh, yes, we can. That's the thing is is that is that is so much of this stuff is perception, right? Um, yes, I think uh, um, a lot of the people who are very and we've talked about this before. Sometimes it's, it's the loudest people in the room, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, or on the internet. Yeah, and and unfortunately, the people who have the bully pulpit are the folks who are in Congress or the White House or wherever, right? Or on the on the news shows, right? Whatever, whether it's Fox or CNN or MSNBC or, or the nightly news or anybody or the internet or whatever it is, the folks we we're, we're getting we're getting everything from the folks who are who are public, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and unfortunately, you know, your other option seems to be that crazy nutso guy has got his own blog that's writing and he knows all the answers and he's going to tell you and you're like oh god that's all like us so well we ex- have our crazy except, yeah but we're blog. we're not we're not terrifying if you look at us with open eyes <laughs> maybe that's what we're doing we are wrong. doing it wrong doing yeah it wrong. we 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 are trying to we do try to be even handed and and you discuss know, things in you a know what in we a, should do <laughs> oh this would be funny oh oh i just had a brainstorm uh oh <laughs> We should uh, have a regular column. Uh oh. <laughs> okay. Because you know we've we've been uh, for those of you listening out in in uh, Timbuktu, we have been having discussions. We that, have listeners in Timbuktu. You know, uh, we may have some people that are close. Yeah, that's yeah. True. Um, we've been having discussions among the editorial board here about various different things that we could do to try to increase our traffic increase sure. the eyeballs and the mm-hmm. number of people that are looking and listening and watching and all of that and one of the things that we kept kicking around and and i have put my foot down from the very beginning and everybody is on the same page as far as this goes is no clickbait we don't want to do the clickbait right. headlines and and that sort of thing but you know taking taking a page from starlog one of the things that I said that I would like to do, and we did this for a little while, is to bring back some of the fun stuff, you know, the puzzles and the word finds sure, and right. the crossword puzzle and, and, and maybe some, you know, cartoons or, or that kind of thing. And so, so this has got me thinking. If we have a regular article that's kind of like The Onion, <laughs> where we do some sort of news from the future or you know satirical parody no, something you know and yeah. just go just go <laughs> completely off the deep end roswell black helicopters x files i mean every throw everything in there you remember the movie conspiracy with uh, mel mel, mel gibson, gibson and, yeah. and, and uh, uh julia roberts yeah uh-huh. that kind of stuff you know you talk about tinfoil hat i mean <laughs> yeah. just everything we take we do a wold newton conspiracy board oh that could be fun 
Oh, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be great. I, and, and what we could do is we could have everybody contribute. Sure. Not, ju- not just the staff, but anybody. And we'll just open it up, <laughs> you know, wild conspiracy at sci-fi.com. And you could just add to and everybody could just add to it. And that can be, that can be the, oh, that'll be fun. And somewhere in there, the truth will actually be. And then it's like, we do it all. So yeah, it's, no, that's great. I like that idea. It's, well, you know, it's, it's some of the best, some of the, there's been some very, very entertaining conspiracy stories over, over time, leaving aside the X-Files and we, the ending of the X-Files, the last mm, episode. Yeah, Angie wasn't too thrilled with it either. No, it's... Well, I... It, okay. For the kids at home, here's... This is how you do a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, when you're coming back uh, the next season, that's how you do a cliffhanger, okay? When you know you're coming back next season. Yeah. Um, so, spoiler alert for the most recent episode of the X-Files, uh, it ends on a cliffhanger. There is no announcement of another season. <laughs> <laughs> there's like they'd like to yeah well i'd like to be taller but you know it's just there's no I'd, I'd like to be able to pay my bills yeah you know a, some things so are. yeah mm. speaking of paying bills uh we don't we don't really have bills here and yet uh i mean we didn't mm. um <laughs> 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 now, as as an entity here because right, we're, we're all volunteers right. and you know we we keep our overhead low as such but we do have sponsors we do have a sponsor yes. superherostuff.com is where you can find all sorts of licensed merchandise from various different um genre franchises and their big push right now they're getting in a bunch of new batman versus superman merchandise because that film is coming out in very three, little time. Three weeks, yeah. three or four weeks, yeah. Now, the hero box that they have, mm-hmm. uh, there's three of them, but it starts at something like 40 bucks, and you get 70-some-odd dollars worth mm-hmm. of material right, yeah. in there. And it's basically, you buy the box, you get whatever is in the box. Sure. And they have three different levels, you know, uh, I, you know Bronze, silver, gold, I think is whatever. I don't know. But right now, the hero box is Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. And they've got a, a, a lot of new Batman versus Superman merchandise that you can that you can purchase. Sure. So we're going to let you hear from them. And when we come back, uh, we might actually talk about the, the topic we decided we were going <laughs> to talk about before we started talking about something else. Uh, when H2O continues on Sci Fi From Your Radio, stand by. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Where can you get the latest cool superhero and sci-fi merchandise? SuperheroStuff.com From t-shirts to keychains to cookie jars and everything in between. Superhero Stuff has added more buyers to the staff, which means more stuff, which means more for you to choose from. And don't forget the Hero Box, the must-have superhero mystery box. A $70 value, just $49. Visit SuperheroStuff.com today and gear up with your favorites. SuperheroStuff.com where heroes shop. Behind the scenes tidbits, production notes, casting, news, games, toys, reviews, interviews, we've got a little bit of everything. Plus, you can sound off with your thoughts and comments, and who knows, you might be in our next episode. Star Wars news, we call it Salacious Crumbs, and you can check out new episodes only on Sci-Fi For Me TV.
Whoa, where'd you get that shirt? Bought it at the convention last week. It's an atomic cotton design. Atomic cotton? Yep, they got t-shirt designs from sci-fi, horror, cult films. All the shirts were really unique and fun. I had to get one. I gotta wait for another convention, though. Nope. AtomicCotton.com. I ordered a shirt. Shipping was super fast. Atomic Cotton, where Erica and Zach combine their passion for art and film to create wearable art. All original, made with a love for the genre. Coming to a convention near you very soon. Or find them on the web at AtomicCotton.com. Atomic Cotton. Shirts and art for fans by fans. Star Wars fans, McKenna Riley here, inviting you to join me for the latest news, rumor, and innuendo from a galaxy far, far away. Salacious crumbs only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back on H2O, Jason Hunt here along with Timothy Harvey. Hello. He on the left, I on the right. <clears throat> for all time, never the twain shall meet. Except when we do, yeah. so. Um, and hey, America? <laughs> Listen, it can be done. Yeah, yeah, it can be done. Um, okay, so at the beginning of all of this, before we started recording this episode, the discussion here in the studio was along the lines of, what are we going to talk about? Exactly. I don't know. There's this. There's this. Eh, let's save that. Um, no, we don't. No, we don't want to do that. <laughs> and, Which is actually a fairly common discussion. I mean, yes, it's, it's, and it's getting to be more frequent. Well, because there's so many things that it's, it's almost like there's too much. Yeah, it's we like have it, the uh, the R-rated Batman versus Superman story that's out this week, which I honestly feel is 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 so much of a less of an issue than people are making it out to be. Uh, I think it's, it's depending on your perspective of what it is that you're actually uh, uh, taking, what your takeaway is from that particular story. <laughs> Uh, because there's a couple of different aspects to it. Right. And I just, you know, but I tend to look at it I, again, and we talked about this a little bit before, and we'll talk about this more again, because we don't know what was, what's going to get at the R rating. Right. Which would probably be violence. Um, probably. Which is the likely, but it's, um, but. Un unless. Well, I, I don't, I don't know that I want to speculate on, on whether or not uh, Gal Gadot would be nude. Well, that but would, it would be the only other thing that I could think of that it's somewhere in there there would be uh, there would be something. Right. Well, and honestly, and even even a and I and I and I can't for the life of me think of where it would go in in terms of a of a story. Um, but certainly in comic books, there have been plenty of you didn't really see anything, but you're drawn to it. It's a very sexy thing because mm -hmm. comic sexy in comic sure. books. Sure. Um, you know, the towel is hanging there or the, the wisp of smoke or whatever it is. Right. Right. Um, you know, uh, flame from the justice league comic books, uh, green fire, 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 yeah, yeah fire. Thank fire. you. Um, you know, sometimes, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, yeah, you could do that, but that actually would trigger the R rating before the violence did because yeah, as, probably. as you know, the MPAA is a curious beast with arcane rules that nobody actually understands. I don't even think the MPAA understands. I don't think they do either. So, um, so, the, so that, that was a possibility yeah, was possible. of a topic. And uh, now we've now we've discussed on the show, so we're done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is that is actually something we'll probably discuss more in depth over on the Rogues Gallery, mm -hmm. yeah. which is also a podcast you can hear here on Sci-Fi For Me Radio. So yeah, I'll plug... I, I, I do all of that just to get the opportunity to plug other shows. Okay. Because that's what we do here. Because this... This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is the flagship podcast, if you can believe that. <laughs> um, you know, the numbers show it. And we've got, actually, I have to say, since we have moved to podcast.com, mm -hmm. 
the numbers that I've actually been able to see uh, have been much better. Um, not to say that more people are listening. I, I expect maybe we're getting more people listening. Right. But I'm actually seeing a, a higher count. Oh, sure. Maybe a more accurate count of how many people are listening. And, of course, we still don't know how many people are listening on iTunes. Right. Well, you know, I would love to know how many people are, are listening on iTunes. Well, Apple does not like to share their data. No, they don't. Hey. <laughs> maybe I can write a letter to the NSA or the FBI and say, hey, guys, while you're in there, <laughs> could you do me a solid? <laughs> could you do me a favor? some podcast numbers. <laughs> <laughs> a freedom of information if I well actually you know what uh, the odds are just as good if you get any that information as uh, this not going to the Supreme Court so it's uh, that's, yeah. The, yeah the most the most profitable country uh, company on the planet um, versus the US government I'm saying it's a wash. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They they rolled Microsoft that one year, remember? Well, they, oh, yeah, they certainly did. But I think the difference here is that um, Apple has a- Apple's lawyers have stumbled across uh, a couple of different ways they're taking this. Mm. One is the privacy aspect. Yeah. One is um, the fairly logical if a little flawed argument that if they do it for the US what's to stop China or Russia or some other country saying if you want to do business in this country you've got to give us the back door too um, which on one hand yes that is a logical argument on the other hand it's a flawed argument but yeah um, and the fact that uh, um, their current argument and this one is this one I just heard actually driving over here uh, was that uh, no no other company has ever been asked to uh, basically destroy its own security for the sake of the government. Um, so it's interesting. Um, the the politics, the science, the tech, and, and you know encryption and privacy. These is, these are actually big things. Yeah. So it become it's going to be very very interesting to see how this does play out because uh, the next generation they're already designing the next iPhone that can't be hacked by anybody. They're going there's never there they won't even be able to build a backdoor into it. That's that the encryption cannot be broken. That's the goal. That's the plan. There is no such thing. Well, taking whatever it whatever it is you know the the basically the setup now is that you know if you if you hack this phone, it'll destroy the data. As, as, as I understand it, that's what the, the whole linchpin of this is, is that they can't get at it without, you know, corrupting the data or whatever it is, whatever the security setup is, the phone You mean is. it's got a dead man switch it's, in it? Uh, kind of. Wow. Um, so they're basically setting it up so that um, the next one will be, you know, they won't, they won't be able to build a backdoor into it. It won't be possible to build a backdoor into it. So, Good which is... You know, it's uh, Felicity could hack into it. Well, Felicity, well, Felicity has her own issues right now. 
yeah. over on Arrow. Yeah. But that's a rogues gallery. That's a rogues discussion. gallery discussion. Rogues gallery. That's and, another podcast and, we do. And um, what was the oh, oh uh, lawsuits and copyright and sure. and you yeah. know that kind of thing. That's the topic that we're going to pick up over on the echo chamber. Yes. Because uh, as we've discussed it here a couple of times, we've got the Axonar lawsuit, we've got the cheerleader outfit lawsuit, we've mm-hmm. got the takedown of X-Men Danger Room Protocols. Right. And um, so we, we've decided to bring in intellectual property lawyers, some People lawyers who, that actually know, yeah, what, know the law. copyright, and, uh, and a few others we've, we're hoping to bring in on that discussion uh, that we're gonna we're gonna try to record this weekend mm-hmm. uh, and put out because there have been developments on the Axonar case. Uh, of course, uh, Axonar's lawyers have filed for dismissal on, on technicalities. They're basically saying As you, you haven't actually defined what it is that we've done. Uh, you know, it's it's hand wavium. You've said copyright infringement, but you don't say what. You know, I've gotten into detail. Um, so they want to get into the weeds. Sure, of course. And this is, you know, this is typical. This is uh, if you're if you're a lawyer, this is how you do it. Yes. Yeah. So you know, there's been there's been some movement on on that front, uh, and I need to look and see where the cheerleader case is at this point. I think they're they're basically just waiting to see if the Supreme Court picks it up. I think so. I have to, I, I, I haven't I haven't looked at it in the last couple yeah, so weeks. We'll, so we'll do some research on that. So that's that's the discussion we'll be taking up in the echo chamber. So <laughs> so all of that to say. All of that was stuff that was on the table for tonight's discussion, and we mm-hmm. decided not to discuss it. <laughs> right. Well, there's some there's some there's some convention stuff that that's yes. lurking around, and and as we've talked about before, you know, con etiquette and and feeling feeling like you're welcome in the environment. And yeah. This has been a topic that we've discussed because we have experienced working cons. Not only not only we we've, we've been we've been attendees. Yes. But we also have a presence at Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City regularly mm-hmm. as 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 sci fi for me right um, and Jason's uh, had the been able to run panels with with some really fantastic actors well and you've done some panels I've done as some, well. I've done panels did, as well you've done Eddie, yeah. McClint- Eddie McClintock which was yeah. a lot of fun he's a great guy um, and uh, and AJ's done some panels Maya's done some panels right and so we and, and, which is a lot of fun but yeah. everyone you know the one of the things that we've we've seen. Uh, and again, this is this is uh, we hear more about it now. Uh, we, we're the argument could very easily be made that stuff's been going on since the beginning of cons, um, but we hear about it now because we have the internet and we have you know instant. You know, we have text messages, we have cell phones, we have this stuff that can get out there in the world quickly. Yes, um, and also a lot of people are not willing to take. You know, we're not willing to stand for behaviors. You know, there's. Brushing off certain things is kind of like, oh well, that's the way they are. It's like, no, no, that's not going to fly. Um, so it's we're aware of a lot of this stuff, and a lot of cons have taken taken the steps of of uh, you know putting out guidelines of what is and is not acceptable, and and you know having staff available on a regular basis. That, that right. you know, so it's but not everything is perfect, and there's some stuff making its way across the internet. And we'll talk more about that. Yeah, because it has a direct connection to uh, Kansas City, yeah, and um, possibly uh, the upcoming Worldcon event in August. So we've got some. It's see, and that's and that's one of those things where you sit there and go, "Hmm, this is something we probably should talk about." But yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the same <laughs> yeah. time, it's 
you know, there are there are things that are still up in the air being discussed as far as you know being being uh, you know how how we're going to cover the event uh, and and what we're what we're going to be able to do and who who we're talking to and 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 we and you know you want to be fair, of course, when you have a discussion of a topic like this because you know. People start lobbying, you know, lobbying accusations one way or to other, and it could get pretty ugly pretty quick. And, well, and, and we want to avoid one. We don't want to look like we're taking any side right. because we're not taking a side because we don't have a dog in a fight. No. And two, we don't want to disseminate anything that's untrue. Right. And you know, <coughs> perception being reality. You know, some people can sit there and go, well, this happened and they did this to me and they did this to me. When, you know, it could very well be that something happened that may be misinterpreted. And on the other side of it, then you have people that are sitting there going, oh, we didn't realize that was going on. Or you have those people saying, oh, well, you're just being too sensitive and being a big crybaby. I mean, so there, there's a bunch of different sure. irons in this particular fire that are frying this kettle of fish and we want to make sure that we get this right irons in the fire <coughs> frying, frying the kettle this of kettle of fish I, I make you know i found myself I using i don't want to eat what you just cook it there <laughs> i <laughs> found myself <laughs> using sports metaphors this week what i know it's crazy <laughs> i was like I'm, I'm not a sports person but I did. I found myself using a sports metaphor in an article that I wrote. Well, you know, in, in in the I think it was in the flash the flash recap that I that I did. What did you say? I can't remember. Mm. It was been a day before. Okay. Well, I've here, slept since then. But here's the thing. You know, um, I've used sports metaphors as well, and I'm not. A, I, I love watching sports live. Can't watch it on television. It bores me out of my mind. Yeah. There's always something better to watch. I love going to the ballpark with the friends or the arena or... Especially on Star Wars night. On Star Wars night. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. But it's... Darth, uh, Darth Vader throwing out the first pitch, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Oh, it is not quite over the fin. <laughs> it was... Yeah, it's a strike. It's ball. <laughs> Your lack of strikes disturbs me. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, <laughs> See, now I want the Royals to take the field of the Imperial March. That's all I want. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> that would be awesome. So, uh, well, it's like those football helmets that all got uh, somebody. Somebody did the artwork uh, for took took all the NFL teams mm -hmm. and did the Star Wars versions of them. Oh yeah, you know the the Tuscan Raiders, right? Yeah, you know, you know like the Oakland Raiders sure. or the Tuscan Raiders, and, and some of those were just really inspired. Some oh, of yeah. them not so much, but some of them. You saw that? You saw the? Uh, uh, have you? Uh, there's a bunch of there's a reinterpretation of classic Star Wars scenes by artists where they're going through and they're redesigning. They're like you know, put your own spin on. So they would like redesign the the, the costumes and the gear and the mm, tech. No, I haven't seen that. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember what what's behind it all. But uh, I'll have to see if I can find it. And we'll post a link because they've done some really interesting reinterpretations. I just saw the one for the Battle of Hoth. Oh yeah, and like the the AT and the the uh, uh, the AT and T's. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that would be a completely different spin. Exactly. Now, I it? Yeah, uh, it's like what is this? This is my bill. Ah! No, uh, well, the AT and T logo is the Death Star. You well, know that's that, true. Right? Yeah. Yes. So, so the uh, uh, and their customer service is just <laughs> as good. 
but yeah, so it's yeah, they're it, not going to be a sponsor. No, clearly. No. Um, so it's <laughs> it's interesting to see these folks just redesign some of this stuff and mm. and put a, a different spin on it, which is uh, some really cool designs. Some of it I've been really impressed with. Um, some of it not so much, but that's again, it's it's art, it's subjective, right? Um, and there's always going to be a fondness in my heart for the original. Oh sure. Uh, well, and and uh, you did see that team team original team whatever the the group that has actually put together the restored they've got a 35 millimeter print yeah that they've gone <laughs> Sorry, through and they've restored really <laughs> it and said here it is this is the original as close to the original theatrical mm-hmm. version as we're going to get because this is an actual film reel of the theatrical version from 1977. Right. I mean, they actually have one, somebody, and they have spent the last, you know, two, three, four years scanning frame by frame the theatrical release mm-hmm. print, the answer print that they have. Right. And cleaning it up and, and really, really taking their time to, to restore uh, the original Star Wars, and it's out there online somewhere. Uh, but our our Kelly Luck has gone through and looked at it, f- found it somehow magically on the doorstep, and no, oh, what is this? Is it? it reminds me of of Gilbert Godfrey's uh, uh, character in the uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. I have something over here. What? What? And then over here, you're not gonna ignore. You're, yeah, you're right. not gonna see what's in this hand over <laughs> sure. here because you're looking at what's in this hand. Right. You know, that kind of thing. That's that's how you find the the this this version of Star Wars. Oh, of course, right. Um, completely by accident. Right. And uh, like, what and, is this? and Kelly did a, a comparison, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you can find that over at SciFiForMe.com. Yes. And of course, all of the Star Wars news we gather together and collect up into a show. Uh, with McKenna Riley over on our video channel, also which true. is over on YouTube, Sci-Fi for Me TV, and that's called Salacious Crumbs, because I just thought that was a funny title. <laughs> because you know, every now and then you get the rumor and you get the innuendo and you get the, ooh, did they really do that? Of course. Do you, have you seen the the working title of Episode Eight? Oh yeah, I remember. Space Bear. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, somebody in New York did a prank and set up that row of posters. I know for Spaceballs, and it too. hurts me right I here know. that it's not real. I know. I looked at those and went, "Oh, those those are pretty cool posters." Oh, what? They're fake. I know that hurt. That that, that actually hurts. That actually hurts to know that this is because by although you know. With with Rick Moranis finally deciding that he's going to start doing some stuff again, he's well, he's not he's not completely back out of retirement. I mean, he's right. being very selective about what projects he wants to do. He's not doing Ghostbusters because it would just would have been a glorified cameo, right? And that's, and, that's uh, and a waste of his talent. Yeah. And um, you know, but but with him actually doing that really long interview and saying it's time to start doing stuff again. It does sort of open that door a little bit further. That's yeah. Into the possibility. 
that we could get because Mel Brooks has said he wants to do it. Oh, sure. And, you know, get as many of the gang back together as you can because, you know, we don't have John, uh, we don't have John Candy. We don't have Joan Rivers or Dick Van Patten. But, uh, you know, you can get some of them. Bill Pullman. Oh, you know, you could do a real good uh, uh, Independence Day riff now with oh, Bill Pullman. Oh, of course. Pullman. Of course. You know? Especially now that he's going to be doing, you know. You know why those aliens invaded is because you shot first. <laughs> And they didn't like it. <laughs> so they resurged. <laughs> right? You know, you can just see that. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and I think that it... it now it, I want to see that. Well, of, of any time this when we could have really expected to get a sequel to that, mm-hmm. this is it. Yeah. Because of the nature of, of, you know, having Star Wars back in the world the way that it is. Um, if you're going to do a parody... Of Star is, Wars, yeah, this, this is, is the, the one. So. Well, and it's funny because, you know, you and I have been talking about, uh, and, and we even mentioned this on, on our 100th uh, episode, mm-hmm. our 100th anniversary. Our we're, 100th. Much, we're much older than we look. <laughs> Boy, doesn't it feel like it? There's some <laughs> days. Good Lord. Uh, and um, the, the discussion was about Starlog mm-hmm. magazine. Yeah. And some of the goals that we have, and some of the things we've been talking about, and I looked at because all of this, all of the original Starlog magazine in print is now available at archive.org. Right. So I was looking at the original first issue, mm-hmm. which coincidentally enough was in August of 1976, and in August of 2016, here, right, 40 years later, is when we've got Worldcon. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we could do some some articles and some stuff that's sort of, you know, because Starlog was such a big thing for us growing oh, yeah. up. Yeah, and, definitely. And, you know, the fan community and all that. It'd be kind of nice to do a little retrospective little, you know, just take a look at some of the different things. And so I started going through and looking at the first issue of Starlog. And oddly enough... <laughs> There's so much of that issue and the second issue that we could very well be talking about now because the first issue was a lot of Star Trek. Right. And you had The Man Who Fell to Earth, mm-hmm. which is David Bowie. And, of course, David Bowie died this year. So, you know, that's been in the news. You have mention of Logan's Run. Mm-hmm. And somewhere out there... There's a Logan's Run reboot still kicking around. I think it... I, yeah. As well as the Battlestar Galactica reboot. Right, yep. Um, the first issue had an article about a fight over the rights to King Kong. Mm-hmm. And what we got coming out soon is King Kong versus Godzilla. Right. We've got that <laughs> announced this year. Um, there's a mention in that, in, that art of, in that first issue about this... Little space film, something started shooting, something called Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now we've got The Force Awakens, we got Rogue One coming out. Um, <laughs> there's a blurb, and it's only, you know, maybe three or four lines in, because there was, there's a, there used to be a section in Starlight that was just real quick hits, real, you know, little bits of stories that you didn't really have a full article. It was just a mention of something. Right, right. right. And in the middle of that list is, you know, 
back in July, you know, last month, July 1976, uh, the the shooting model of the USS Enterprise was donated to the Smithsonian. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how convenient. Because guess what's happening July 22nd this year at the Smithsonian? What? Pray tell. (laughs) The restored (laughs) USS Enterprise shooting model is actually going to be unveiled, and they're going to be putting it back out in this new in the part of this new exhibit that they're doing. And I thought, how many parallels can we come up with <laughs> from that from that first issue to now? And it's really striking. And, and you're right, and, and that goes back to what you were saying about this is the perfect time for a Spaceball sequel because everything is coming back around. Yeah. You know, what goes around comes around. Everything old is new again, and all of this... Uh, reboot, sequel, remake thing. I mean, the X Files on on TV, and we've got sure. Xena is in development, and Ash versus Evil Dead has just come out, mm-hmm. and you know all of these different things that are new, but they're not new, right? Um, there's a there's a well, there's a remake of Frequency. Yeah, I saw that as well. Which is going to be a series on the CW, mm-hmm. and it is a uh, father and daughter instead of father, father and daughter, son, which right? is fine. And she's a cop, right? the same same as in the in the movie. The movie was you've got a, a detective who's working on a case, and somehow manages to connect to his father from thirty years ago, right through the ham radio. And it's kind of a Twilight Zone-ish type of thing. He, yeah. he connects with his dad the day before his dad dies, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of a timey-wimey something thing, right? And right. they work on this case together. Well, the new CW show is going to be similar type of thing, only it's a 20-year gap. And the detective is now female, Peyton right. List, who plays the uh, Lisa Snart over on The Flash, right. you know, Golden Glider. Mm-hmm. She was also on The Tomorrow People, uh, Mad Men, Blood and Oil. So she's going to be the lead. She's going to play the the detective. Right. And and now we're finally talking about the topic we were going to talk about <laughs> at the beginning. A uh, lot of casting news that yeah. has come out this oh, yeah. week. And, um, you know, we probably we probably ought to kick this to another episode. I think we're going because, to because yeah, we kind of ate up that. all the time with it. We stuff, but. did. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, you know, remakes, reboot, I mean, all of the stuff that is coming around again. Do we really need another Battlestar Galactica reboot? Well, remember, though, that it's, it's, it's a reboot that's supposed to be more in continuity with the original series. Still. Oh, I know. Quite do, frankly. You know, you know do we the, need it? Okay, the answer is no. Do we uh, want it? Uh, I mean, this is this is the one that's been kicking around since Brian Singer was involved way yeah. back when. But okay, since uh, the end of the series, and I'll, that t- and I'll tell you why. I, okay, I, I'll tell you why I don't. <laughs> and it comes back to something we've talked about before, mm-hmm. which is storytelling styles change. Yeah, and TV of the seventies and TV of the early eighties is a very different beast. Um, when, when, you I know, don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Well, I will, I will give you an example. <laughs> oh, he who is not telling the truth. Um, 
So, so Colony, right? Just uh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. published uh, uh, my my multi episode review today yes. because I did I life got your massive multi recap memo exactly. Yes. <laughs> that's a pretty sizable thing. Um, but hey, I'm caught up. We're caught up, uh, except for the episode that's coming out tonight. Yeah, <laughs> we're not going to wait that long. Anyway, so so um, Josh Holloway. Doing a fantastic job on the show. Really, really enjoying his performance. Love, uh, I'm really enjoying the show. I think yeah. it's a very well done. Um, it is, it is this generation's V. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, that's my, that's, that's my, that's I'm, I'm standing by that at this point. And better than the remake of V. Oh yeah, significantly better. Yeah. Um, and and just as much as the the original V miniseries was more about the people involved as opposed to the aliens, this mm-hmm. is very much about the people and not the aliens. Anyway. Watch the show. But um, after Lost, Josh Holloway did a show called Intelligence, which I reviewed several of the episodes before, before I gave up in disgust. Um, not because uh, anyone on the show was particularly terrible. It was, it was actually a really good cast and an interesting premise. Um, a very curious adaptation of a book that's on the shelf over here um, that is, is it really? Yeah, the yeah the, the the novel source material is on on the shelf over there. It's on the review pile. Yeah, really. Yeah, I wonder how long it's been sitting. Over it there. has nothing to do with the television show. I mean, of they're course. they're complete they're completely different. Um, but well, now you've got me curious. <laughs> however, um, <coughs> intelligence was a throwback. It was very much a nineteen eighties action adventure television show. It oh. was an A team, MacGyver, uh, and kids at home turn to <laughs> well you know MacGyver's coming back too I know as a movie and a TV series yeah we'll see about that um, so anyway uh, uh, intelligence was really bad okay because the story every every week was essentially a reset mm-hmm. and it wasn't until the end of the first season when we knew that they had been canceled that they actually started playing with continuity audiences among other reasons audiences don't want that out of their shows anymore yeah um, so if you're going to stick in the same continuity of the original Battlestar Galactica show, and I presume you're ignoring Galactica 80. You'd have to almost. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, just on general principles, you should just because it's well bad. Quali- quality aside, right. if you're doing a reboot, the whole premise of Battlestar Galactica was fleeing from the Cylon tyranny. Exactly. The last Battlestar Galactica searches for Earth. The mm-hmm. whole the whole premise of the of the story is the search for Earth. Exactly. One of the reasons I think Galactica eighty didn't work is because they got there. Well, now what do you do? Not to I mention mean, the fact. Not to mention the fact that you. I mean, their budgets were slashed. They didn't have the money they could do for all of this stuff. But but once you get there, then what? Well, yeah, that's the problem. Is you know, that is it? You can. There's no story there. You don't. You don't. If your if your movie is a road movie. If your TV show is the journey, mm-hmm. the destination, you're, you know. Yeah. Well, it's like the fugitive. Right. You know, if you, ever, you know, the Battlestar Galactica is the fugitive in space. Well, if you, if you solve the mystery, then. Well, that's, that's an interesting uh, way of describing that. That's, yeah, except again, now I want to see the fugitive in space. I do too. <laughs> that would actually be pretty cool. So. Let's get Gil Gerard to do it. Uh, isn't he going to be over? No, no, it's Lee Majors is going to be, um... No, Lee Majors was here. Oh, yeah, oh, Lee Majors, no, on, uh, you're talking about on Ash. Yeah, Lee yeah. Majors is going to be Lee Majors on... is going to be Ash versus right. Evil Dead. Yes. No, he's not playing Ash. 
which no, would he's be playing I know. dad. I know. <laughs> this, is, this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> all my all my heroes on the same screen. I wonder if they're gonna do any kind of Fall Guy or or Six Million Dollar Man jokes. They'd have to. I was gonna say if almost. they don't, I shall be I shall be stunned and yeah. and deeply disappointed. But okay, so uh, look, the Battlestar Galactica we got the new version, mm-hmm. newer version. Um, it's probably the ending aside, however you feel about the ending, the the original miniseries and the first the first few seasons. What more do you want out of this show? What more do you yeah. want out of that, uh, that idea? Um, they the show had me up until the point where they stopped at the planet, whatever that planet, uh, Cobalt. Mm. When you had the you know they decided they wanted to just settle on Cobalt and be done. And I think that was the end of season two or season three, somewhere in there. It was in, it was the end of season two. So by the time you get into you get into the beginning of season three, where they're on Cobalt, and they've they've got a settlement, and the Galactica has left because Adama doesn't think that they should be staying in any one place. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you have the Cylon occupation and all this other other mess that shows up. Once they did that. I think the show lost its way. The The show tried to do some different things and lost its sense of what it was. Well, it's interesting because they rooted, they rooted that show in a much more realistic... Well, there was more depth to the characters, I think, right. than, than 1970s television was... And I was perfectly fine with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought it was in some but, case, in some for, places it was a brilliant show. But significantly, they avoided, um, you know, the at least initially they avoided things like the very religious overtones that would show up in the original series. Mm-hmm. You know, the Lords of Light, the Lords, you know, right? Um, and when they did finally swing back around to that stuff. They took it at a different angle, and you ended up with these, you know, weird godlike beings, the Cylon, you know, what the Cylons really were, and, yeah. and Starbuck as an angel of some kind, or a resurrected whatever. Yeah. Because um, there's resurrection scenes in the original one, too. Yeah. I mean... It's different. Of course, yeah, of course it's, it's different. Yeah. So it's it's not like you... It's not like we, they, they weren't playing in the same area they, they play with it very very differently yeah but at the same time it's kind of like you guys are doing so fine up until this point without bringing mysticism into this show well and you know it's you know, when that goes back was it who is it clark clark or heinlein you know one man's one man's science is another man's magic you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah sufficiently yeah. advanced uh, uh technical science is, is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. 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 Same kind of thing. I yeah. mean, you could get into mysticism, but there could be some scientific explanation. Oh, sure. But it. it's, it's, it's aliens. In, in both series, in both series though, they, they both took it to places where you had, uh, godlike beings, mm. uh, which may or may not be. Godlike beings. Godlike beings. Right. Um, you know, having an impact on, on the characters, but they dealt with it different ways in in some respects if, okay if you go back and look at the original Battlestar Galactica TV show as much as much as you might have loved it as a child it is incredibly cheesy it can be yeah um and and yet 
in the context of its time, it was clearly a Star Wars ripoff. I mean, uh, wait. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> now. It was. Well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't need, I don't need a sequel. I don't need a reboot. We already, you know, it's, you know, what do you think they are? A Spider-Man movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, but at the same time, you know, yeah. it's got, it's got a sense. And I, it, there'll be people who are arguing we don't need a Star Trek TV series. I mean, those people are wrong, <laughs> and they're clearly delusional, and they should be ashamed of themselves. But they can make that argument, you know. Sure, and some have already. Yeah, and you know, you you would you would be happy to make the argument that it doesn't even another Star Trek movie. Uh well, that argument would not be without its qualifiers. I would I be know. perfectly fine with another Star Trek movie, just not one that's in the J.J. Abrams universe. Well, and I, of course, will be waiting until the new movie actually comes out before I pass judgment on it. I haven't passed judgment on the first. I, I haven't. I, well, let me <clears throat> let me. Clear. You you I did have, not enjoy the first one. I did not enjoy the first one. I did not see the second one. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in seeing sure. a rehash of Wrath of Khan done through angsty kids stuff. Um, and Well, see, because the stuff that was, every, everything that came out about Star Trek Into Darkness, mm-hmm. I'd seen all of it before. Right. Because we have the Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. and there's a book in the old line of Star Trek novels, pocket books. Uh, there's a book by Diane Carey called Dreadnought. Uh-huh. Which is the super battle starship, mm-hmm. right, you know, right? And the admiral who's got all these designs on building the super battle starship, right? Right, Admiral Denhouse. And so I'm reading all of the stuff that keeps coming out about Into Darkness. And I was like, I've seen all this stuff before, <laughs> and it was done better the first time. Yeah. This is all ripoff of of this stuff over here. I've got this on my shelf. I I can read this story anytime. And so, you know, I had I have no interest in Into Darkness at all. I have not seen it. I don't want to see it. I don't care to see it. You don't put a starship underwater. That's dumb. It's absolutely dumb. Because if you're if you're putting a starship underwater to hide it, how are you hiding it in the time it takes to go through the atmosphere to get underwater? You are hiding it that way so you can have the cool shot of it coming out of the water. I That's know, but, what it's full. But, uh, <laughs> oh, no. Don't okay. do that. I'm sorry. Are you staring directly at, the, at the dot, dot, dot? Because the original <laughs> Star Trek crew, the original Star Trek productions, would never have done something so stupid and scientifically unfeasible well, as to put a starship underwater. Well, okay. Unless it was a starship that was designed to go underwater, which is what you would find in a book that Howard Weinstein wrote. Right. About, you know, with the whales. Sure, you know, the, sure. That one that, you know, it started off being a, a, an early version of Star Trek Four, Right. And ended up going off in a different direction. But he went ahead and wrote it as a book mm-hmm. in pocket. And I can't remember the name of it. But it's a Spock Chekhov book. Right, right, right. And right. It's, it's, there is a starship Sure. That's actually, it's. I think it's of, named Cousteau, and, of, and it's built and it's designed to go underwater. I there is what a, a thunking. I somebody and and I, I it wasn't me, although I wish I'd come up with this, and I can't remember who I saw it first. Um, although I have adopted it as my own. Um, there's someone who came up with a really, uh, it, it it, a really decent way of getting around a significant chunk of Star Trek Into Darkness's Wrath of Khan problems. And that is, Khan is not in the movie. 
you just have one of his uh, minions, minions pretending claiming to be Khan. Because it gets you around two, two major problems. One, Benedict Cumberbatch is an amazing actor. Lily White is the driven he snow. He is in no way, shape, or form ever going to be confused for someone whose name is Khan Noonien Singh. Right. A Sikh warrior. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but right. if, as we as we know from the from Wrath of Khan, um, uh, there he had a diverse group. Although they tended to lean a little towards the blonde and Aryan. Um, and that actually is addressed in Greg Cox's as, as, novel. Yes, it is. Which uh, is very good. They're they're yeah the the two the two Khan yeah, novels two are good. Yeah, you should read those. But. Uh, uh, the 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 fan theory basically goes uh, we've not met Khan, yeah. And so when you could actually do a proper Wrath of Khan, if if which you shouldn't do by the way, but if you wanted to, you could do a proper Wrath of Khan. And I don't know, cast some guy who might actually be from the right continent uh, to play the part. Oh, now admittedly, Ricardo Montalban <laughs> was not a Sikh or is not a Sikh <laughs> as well. But it was, again. Context. It's the 1960s. Yeah. The fact that you actually had a Hispanic leading man, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, not to not to default, not not to ignore the, the the fact that he was an amazing actor, but the fact, the very simple fact that they cast any Hispanic to play that big of or a part, or a non-white, or a non-white, yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah. Um, you know, it was was not did not happen very often. I'm afraid. So. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen very often here. A uh, stop talking. Uh, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> we get on. And we do. See, and and the irony is, this is one of the episodes where we couldn't quite decide what we were going to talk about. Yeah, we. And we, here we are now, an hour and a half in. And funny so. how we do that a lot, and you yet know, somehow managed to have yeah. something to talk about. So this is what we're going to do. We've got uh, a couple of topics on the table mm-hmm. as regards the the Hugos, of course. We're, we're right. definitely going to be hitting on that every now and again all the way up through August, um, as well as the question of uh, some different things that went on at a couple of different conventions that are local that we want to we pin down some more facts and details before we start forming opinions. Right. So that discussion is yet to be had. So we're setting the table here for a couple of different things to be continued later on. And, of oh, course, sure. there's tons of casting news for the pilots that are, that are about to go start in front of cameras. Um, NBC's Powerless is a cast now. Uh, we mentioned a fun looking cast too. Yeah, but you know what? It means we're not going to get that blue and gold movie we we're hoping for yet. Uh, well, no, because if he's well, now I, I, we're not going to get the blue and gold movie. <laughs> um, so we've got that. We've got Frequency. We've got uh, Riverdale, which actually looks like it's going to be a genre Archie. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I really am disappointed with the casting of Jughead. I think Cole Sprouse couldn't act his way out of a bag, but mm. uh, I don't know. See, that's that's one of the joys, I'll say, <laughs> about raising a kid in this era of everything Disney. Right. Um, I got to watch The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. <coughs> it's like just him. Um, and I'm sorry, Cole Sprouse can't act his way out of a bag. 
Uh, no. ni- neither one of them. Neither one of them are any good. Uh, the the twins, the the Sprouse twins. Dil- I think Dylan is the the, the other guy. Um, and uh, you know, I get it. They were young, right? But However, they're not very good. And in this particular version, I don't know that the description of Jughead is actually Jughead. Well, uh, and yeah, know, I think I think yeah, well, there's, well, there's a lot of there's a lot there. So, so right. we got that to talk about. There's there's some paranormal. Did you show. ever think that we would actually be having a, this discussion about Archie? Oh, I know, I know. I mean, well, Mary Poppins. I know. There's a Mary Poppins sequel. Mm. There's another Alien movie being being cast right now. I mean, yeah. There's tons of casting announcements. So, why do we do this? We'll put a pin in that. We'll have that discussion next episode. Yes. And in the meantime, we're going to be doing some digging and some fact finding on this other discussion that we need to have with certain people. And then we'll circle back around to that one as well. So that's going to do it for us this evening. If you have your thoughts and comments of, of anything that we've talked about tonight, uh, we certainly do welcome your feedback. You can send that to uh, h2o at sci-fi4me.com. Or you can leave a comment at any of the available spaces. Mm-hmm. All of the real estate allows you to do com- uh, comments. So you can comment. Yes. Please do. Please do. We'd love, we love to hear from you. Yes. And if you do listen to us on iTunes, please mm-hmm. let us know. Uh, and then also over on iTunes, one of the ways that we can get on other uh, – get up on the radar, as it were, is for you to rate the, the shows that you listen to over there. So if you want to rate that, share it with other people, and, uh, and then, of course, join us over on all the social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Google+, YouTube, Tumblr, and uh, – and, um, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Oh man, see, I've I've been on a roll. I've been really good about getting all of those in, and tonight I stumbled. Uh, yeah, yeah. So know. yeah, so there is that, and and you can join us on all of those uh, all of those places for social media. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, if you've got a particular idea for a for a topic that you'd like to to hear us discuss, uh, we're certainly open to those suggestions as well. So, uh, in the meantime, that's going to do it for us. We are going to go. Uh, work on other articles. Oh yes, um, for both sci-fi for me and horror for me dot com. Yes, I will have sci-fi. a I will have a review of the witch coming up here soon. Ah, something to look forward to. Yes, yes. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you very much for listening to uh, to this episode, Timothy Harvey. Always a pleasure, sir. And my name is Jason Hunt. On behalf of all of us here at Sci-Fi for Me, thank you for joining us. Please share, and we will be back next week. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2016 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio.